So this morning I want to ask this question. Is your faith, your following in Jesus, is it extracurricular or is it your essential core? Is your following Jesus extracurricular? It's, it's, a, it's a part of something that you do amongst many things that you do. It's an extracurricular activity. Or is it your essential core? It's the very center of your being and everything flows out of it. Like how do you tell the difference between those things and why does it really matter? I was inspired, I don't know if you saw in the news um, about a month or so ago, this brilliant story of Zaila Avant-Garde. Everyone recognize that name, Zaila Avant-Garde? She is the first, at age 14, she's the first black American to win the USA's National Spelling, spelling Bee in almost 100 years of contest. The first black American. She's like pioneered the way uh, to be an inspiration to others, age 14. And in fact, not only is 14-year-old Zayella amazing at spelling, she's also amazing at basketball. In fact, she holds three Guinness World Records for basketball, age 14. And you just think, like, how? How, how can this 14-year-old, like, win this national competition, age 14, and at the same time be a world champion uh, on, the, on the basketball? And so she was, she was asked the question, and this is what she said. Are you ready? Get ready, young people, to be challenged by this. She says, I try to do 13,000 words, which is about seven hours of spelling a day. I do school all year, six days a week, six hours a day. And so that leaves me a little bit more time, only about two to three hours a day for basketball practice. Shall I read that again? <laughs> all parents going home and just saying, you need to do your school stuff like that. No, not at all. Now listen, my point here is, it's not whether you agree whether Zaila's got those timings right or those priorities right, but what is undeniable is Zaila Avant-Garde is thoroughly and completely committed to be a spelling champion and a great basketball player. Like It is obvious to everyone around her. She has reoriented the whole of her life around those goals. It is not extracurricular. It's her essential cause. Her essential cause. Is anyone hearing me today? You know, those clever people, psychologists people who study how people build great habits... They tell us this, that one of the keys to you and I having any great habit that sticks is our commitment not just to achieve something, but actually that we want to become something. Not just achieve, to become. It's an issue of identity. Identity. And so with Zaira, you can imagine that way before she won her award or even got her World Guinness Records, that, that there was a conviction within her which said, you know what, I am a spelling champion. And I am a World Guinness Record. And I'm going to behave in such a way until what I am becomes evident and demonstrable to everyone. It, it's, it was part of her and still is part of her very identity. This brilliant book that I read last year, Atomic Habits by James Clear, listen to this. He says, your habits shape your identity and your identity shapes your habits. So when you make your bed each day, you embody the identity of an organized person. When you write each day, you embody the identity of a creative person. When you train each day, you embody the identity of an athletic person. The more you repeat a behavior, the more you reinforce the identity associated with that behavior. Make sense? 
So, but get this. this is, I thought this was amazing. Then he says this. In fact, he said, the word identity was originally derived from two Latin words, essentitas, which means being, and identitum, which means repeated. He says, your identity is literally your repeated beingness. Your repeated beingness. Your habits shape your identity, and your identity shape your habits, your practices. Is everyone hearing me today? Okay, so most people in the room today, we would say this, I am a Christian. I am a follower of Jesus. That, my friends, is an identity statement. It's an identity statement. But I want to ask you, and I want to ask myself, when I say I am a Christian, and when you say I am a Christian, I'm a follower of Jesus, do I mean it in the same way that Zaila meant it when she said I am a, I'm a, a champion on the spelling thing? Do I mean it? Is the same? Is, is my faith my extracurricular activity, or is it the essential core of everything I'm about and everything flows from it? Like, is Jesus absolutely priority number one and, and how I spend my time and how I think and everything flows from that reality? I'm grateful that Jesus Christ came to earth, died on the cross, bore my sin, my stuck-up finger to God, I rejected God, and yet God loves me enough that he broke into human history as Jesus Christ to show me what God is like, die for my sin, rise again, defeat sin to save me from myself, to save me from, from all that is dark and death-like in the world and that I can be with God both now and forever. I am grateful that Jesus saved me. Is anyone else grateful that you've been saved today? But Jesus didn't just come to save me. He's not just my Savior. He's also supposed to be my Lord. My Lord. Now, that's not a word that we use uh, commonly in our vocabulary. He's uh, a, a, a supposed to be our king, but that doesn't really help us because, because um, you know, God bless the Queen Elizabeth II. She doesn't really lord it over us. We don't have to do what she says. And, and so actually the, the word, the Greek word for Lord, kurios, actually means boss. He's our boss. Now people think like, oh, I like saviour. Can I just not have Jesus as my Savior? We love the idea of Savior. We're not so sure about Jesus as our boss. But actually, Zaila had this goal. God bless her, and I think it's awesome what she's achieved. And I, I pray she paves the way for many others to see what's possible. But, but actually, the goal of life, the Bible tells us in the big story of God, is to know Jesus and to become like him. That's it. That's the goal of life. That's the reason that you were created. You and I, every single one of us, we were wonderfully and intentionally created by God to be in relationship with God, to know God, and to become like Jesus. Now, if you're new to some of this, if, if you've, you've kind of you know, never heard this Jesus stuff, let me just briefly remind you that as Christians, we believe that Jesus was a, a real person. The good news of the Bible is it's not that we believe that there is something out there. There is some kind of maybe higher power. There's not just something. There's actually someone. And that someone, that person, that being God is not distant and disinterested, but actually up close and personal, and has fully revealed himself, actually stepped onto the stage of human history 2,000 years ago, became a man, became Jesus. Scripture uh, tells us 
in uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, that Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. In Colossians 2, verse 9, for in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. Like, if you want to know what God is like, you look at Jesus. Because Jesus fully reveals to us what God is like. And what Jesus reveals to us is that this true, one true God is the source of life and love and joy and peace and goodness and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control and justice and generosity and compassion and empathy and boldness and bravery and strength and comfort and holiness and purity, that this Jesus is everything good that we long for. Like if there's anyone in this room and you, you listen to that list of things that I've said, if, if you look at that list and you say, well, I don't need any of those things, then, then you don't need God. You're all right. You go for it. But if there's anything on that list that you think you need for your human flourishing, then what you really need, what your soul is longing for is you need Jesus. Because Jesus is those things. He is all of those things. And so that's why if I, if I come to know him, and if I have a relationship with him, then the goal is to be, become like him. Because I want to be those things. I want to be those things. Jesus, friends, is not battling with anxiety. He's not worried about what's going to happen tomorrow. He doesn't even fear death because he defeated death. Like He's not concerned about the things that we're concerned with. He's not worried about his his uh, self-image or whether people love him or not. He is utterly secure. He knows he is loved because he is love. I want to be like Jesus. Does anyone in the house want to be like Jesus? Because, because you see, what happens is, and this is, this is why it's so great to have Paul and Elaine with us. Paul and Elaine, for, for years and years, have committed to, to follow Jesus and to become like Jesus and join in with what Jesus is doing. Sometimes that's been in Newcastleton on the borders of Scotland. Sometimes it's been in Bath. God sent them to other places. But right now, it's in a jungle in Leona. And we were talking and we were saying to these guys yesterday, like, wow, I don't think that we could do that, like, like, you know, I'm just, I don't like spiders, really, and not even little small money spiders freak me out, and I don't think I could do that, but you know what? They can do it. It's a sacrifice. It's a cost, believe me, but they can do it because Jesus has called them to do it. He's provisioned for them to do it. He's pr- empowered them to do it, and though there are tough days and hard days, most of the time it's amazing because they see God at work when they're just doing what Jesus says, and every day they're becoming more like him. Why would we not want that? Is our faith extracurricular or is it our essential core? And, and, uh, and last couple of weeks ago, I, I spoke from Psalm 91. This amazing psalm. I'm not going to read it now for time because literally I'm going to finish in a minute because we need to pray more than we need to hear preaching. And, and in Psalm 91, you know, we read those opening verses, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High, and I talked to you about Just the priority of being with God in prayer. Building a prayer habit. Being with God in prayer. Like like if that's new to you, just starting up, you know, even a couple of minutes a day. Again, clever habit people tell us. Even start two minutes a day. And this week, if you get the Zio emails, I, I send an email out on Wednesday specifically giving you some hints and tips on how you build a daily prayer life. And if you don't get that email, sign up and, uh, and you'll get it. And then you can cancel it after that. Okay? But, but being with God in prayer. Because, because I would suggest that the, 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 big, 
evidence of whether our faith is extracurricular versus our essential core is essentially two habits. Habit number one is those opening verses that we want to draw close to God. Simple as that. If we want to, we just want to draw close to God. We want to be with him in the everyday moments of our lives, but we want to take time specifically aside to be with him. Even if it's two minutes, it's going to sit down and just like, God, I know you love me. Here's what's going on in my world. I'm going to read a bit of scripture. Let me encourage me. Maybe be still. Is there anything the Holy Spirit wants to say to me? Fill me with your spirit. Help me to be like Jesus. And then go, let, let me, you know, for some of us, if we just did something like that, if we just started there, we would start to experience a revolution. And then we grow it from there. Being with God. So the, the two habits of this. Number one, draw close to God. Draw close to Jesus. And another habit is this. Do what he says. It's as simple as that. Draw close to God and do what he says. And that's the essence of how this chapter 91 ends. Because right at the end of chapter 91, let me just read these verses uh, to you. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Okay. These are the end verses of Psalm 91. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me, and I will protect those who trust in me, um, in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I'll be with them in trouble. I will rescue them and honor them. I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. So God says, like, this is so much good stuff that I want to pour into the lives of those who love me. Well, how does God know who loves him? And Jesus gives the answer in John 14, 15. He says, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. You'll do what I say. That's the evidence of your love for God. If we, if we love him, we'll do what, we say, what he says. And I think one of the challenges, friends, in the church, in any church, including this church, is that we can come to church, we can go to, to, to our home groups, and, and we want to know a lot. You, we, we, you know, sometimes people say, you know, I, I didn't learn anything today. And I want to say, well, did you put into practice what we've been teaching you for the last 20 years? Are you doing it? Are you doing it? I was talking to a guy the other day who leads a church planting movement over in the States. And, and they have lots and lots of um, mini churches, what we're going to be calling Zio Collectives. And when they meet, they, they come around God's word and they read a passage and then they think about what it means. And then they, they decide together, uh, men and women and children, okay, this is how we need to live differently as a result. And when they come back the following week, they then have an honest accountability. Did we do this? Have we started to embrace a change of behavior? And if they feel that most people haven't, do you know what they do? They do the same lesson again. Now, not out of some religious thing, because they know we need to change. We need to become more like Jesus because it's good for us and it's good for the world. We want to draw close to him and we want to do what he says. We want to do what he says. And, be, and let's be honest, that is a massive challenge for all of us. Because we all think, we all battle, even those of us who followed Jesus for a long time, we all battle with what we think is the best way, what will give us life. And sometimes what Jesus says is best is not what we might think is best. I was having my hair cut just the other day and uh, got chatting with the barber. And, you know, he says, what are you doing this weekend? And obviously he started to talk about church. And, and he'd never gone to church in his life. And, uh, and, he, and he said to me, he said, it's just, it's just a bunch of rules, isn't it? And I, and I said, no, 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 it's not a bunch of rules at all. It's a way of life. 
It's a way of life that leads to life. It's not like God is saying, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, but do this, do this, do this, like rules and regulation. That is religion. And Jesus has no interest in religion. He has an, a, an interest in relationship. Je- Jesus has no interest in you leaving Zia with a bunch of information. Jesus is interested in transformation. He wants to know, are you changing? Are you becoming more like him? Like if you look back at a year ago, are you more kind now than you were a year ago? Do you experience more peace than you did a year ago? Are, are you more loving now than you were a year ago? year ago? Are you more generous? Are you becoming more like Jesus? Because if you aren't, there's something wrong with this picture. We need to draw closer to him and then we need to do what he says. So he says to me, and I'll, I'll wind up with this. He says, um, so like, how does that, all get, that church stuff get paid for? How does it get paid for? And I said, well, I said, what happens is, because he asked like, you know, how, how much money we had. And I said, well, you know, our, our, our budget each year is about 400,000 pounds. And his like, eyes went like this. And he said, well, how does that all get paid for? I said, well, I said, there's a whole bunch of people in the church who basically give that money. They give it every week. They give it every month to support. And it's like, his eyes are like, what? That's crazy. And, and, of course, the reason that we give is because, number one, we believe that, that ultimately God is our provider. That we're not actually, money is not our provider, money is not our God. We give because we trust that as we give, God will take care of us. We give as an act of faith, as an act of trust. We give because if Jesus gave his life, surely I can give 10%. Let me say that again. If Jesus gave 100% of his blood and his broken body, surely I can give 10%. Or 5% or 1%. Like, surely I can, can give what is so precious to all of us. I worry about money just like you do. But I, but I said, we, they, we give because of that. And secondly, we give because we believe that God is doing something. And the thing that God is doing needs money. And so we invest in it. Like, we believe in what Paul and Elaine are doing, don't we? We believe it. Okay, we don't expect that God's just going to flutter down money over them to resource what they're doing. And so we're not just praying for them, but when you give to Zio, you are supporting their work. We are giving money as a corporate church to Paul and Elaine every month because we believe what you do is important. It costs money and we want to see it blessed. And we don't want there to be a lid on it to do with money. We want the money should be the last thing. You know, when David was looking to build the temple in the Old Testament and when Hezekiah was reestablishing the the temple in the Old Testament, people gave so generously they didn't know what to do with it. Oh, Lord Jesus for that problem. But, but this is one of the many, many areas where what we want to do conflicts with what God wants to do. In the area of our finances, in the area of our relationships, in the area of our physical health, in the area of our emotional health, how we treat work. All of these things as we take time by ourselves to draw close to Jesus. And when we come together, that's why this is important that we come together. It's why it's important that we come together in groups. Because have you ever read, read the Bible and just thought, I don't understand that. That makes no sense. Or maybe I've said something today and it's really troubled you. And that's why we meet in groups. That's why we have friends that we wrestle with it together. Together and we can discern what God is saying so then we know what to do. And we know, as I finish, that we can't do it. We know we can't do it. I cannot be loving. I cannot be compassionate. I cannot be the man that I was created to be. But, but if I get on my knees and say, Jesus, more of you in me, 
more of you are every day, every day, literally, and this is true, every day, if I pray nothing else, I pray, Lord, I surrender to you. I surrender to you. I know you love me and you're for me. And I pray that you would make me more like Jesus. Let me sound like Jesus. Let me speak like Jesus. Let me go where Jesus is going. Let me live the life that Jesus would have me live if he was in my shoes. Wherever you are, in your home, in your workplace, in your street, the cafe that you go to. that When you walk into a cafe that you're literally prepared, Jesus, what would you do if you were me in this cafe right now? That's what it means. And you don't do it by yourself because you have the resources of heaven, which are limitless. The power of the Holy Spirit enabling you to be transformed. To be transformed so that in a year's time, you know, I can look at, you know, my, my, my friends. I can look at Dad. I can look at James. I can look at Alex and say, you know what? They're, they're, they're a bit more like Jesus than they were a year ago. And like, I'm like, thank you, God, that for Alex. I mean, she needed it more than most, let's face it. Too true. But have you ever, have, I know I've got to finish. Have you ever, oh Lord, have you ever, have you ever been with someone who's walked with Jesus for a long time? And when you're with them, you just think like, oh man, I, I really feel like I'm with Jesus. When, when, when the disciples were thrown out by the religious leaders, they commented this in, in Acts chapter 4. They said, these are unschooled men. What are they doing talking about this Jesus guy? They're, they're stupid. They're crazy. They're fishermen. They're nothing. And then there's this lovely verse, and it says this. But they noted that they had been with Jesus. Even though Jesus was gone, there was something about the way they spoke, the way they carried themselves. They thought, this guy, this woman, looks like Jesus. Smells like Jesus. Sounds like Jesus. Does what Jesus would do. Jesus, make Zio like you. Make Zio like you. Like, like, if we can't do this, if I can't do this, we should all pack up and go home. The goal of our life is not to have this meeting. The goal of our life is, 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 is not even to, to, to fund this thing or that thing. The goal of our life, first and foremost, is to become like Jesus. Not as an extracurricular activity, but our essential core. Our repeated beingness. Our repeated beingness. And when you fall like you will, make mistakes like you will every day. We come to this God and we say, God, I'm sorry. I messed up again. I did that, said that, screwed up. Grace, grace, grace. He forgives us. He wipes the slate clean. He lifts us up and says, let's go again. Let's go again. God doesn't condemn us. He convicts us and says, come on, you can do better. There's a better life for you. I think I've said enough, haven't I? Let's stand. Let's stand. Band, if you want to come up, we're going to try and land this plane in four minutes. Lord Jesus, why don't you just close your eyes just for a second, because I know the Holy Spirit's here. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus. What's God saying to you, friends? I encourage you, don't be distracted in this moment. That's why I would encourage you. If you can, you don't have to. We're not religious here. If you can, close your eyes. What is God saying to you? What has struck you? Just this simple invitation. Draw near to Jesus. Do what he says. Draw near to Jesus. Do what he says. Keep going. Keep growing. And, and as we finish today, I'm going to pray, and we're just going to sing that, a bit of that song again, King of Glory. I just want to be with you. We're going to make this our prayer as we finish. But, 
but there are three, three responses as we pray. Number one is, for some of us, it's, it's to repent. That word means to change your mind. Basically say, God, I'm sorry. I've been living for myself. I've been doing faith extracurricular. And now I want it to be my essential core. For some of us, we need to recommit and say, okay, I'm going again. I want to draw close to you. I want to do what you say. Maybe you want to do that for the very first time today. And so I, I just want to pray over us. And I want to pray for the Holy Spirit to come and do a work in us. And so, Lord, as we, as we stand here right now, we thank you that you are not a distant God who is not interested in our lives. You are a loving Father who wants to come and give us the very, very best. And the very best you give us is Jesus. To draw close to him, to become like him as the source of all life and hope. Forgive us where we've been distracted by so many other things. Forgive us. But today, afresh, we stand and we say, I want to follow you, Jesus. I want to become like you. I want to make space in my calendar for you. I want to make space in my diary for you. I want to spend time with you each day, and I want you to speak to me through your word, through other people, through creation, however you want to do it, but speak to me and give me the power of your Holy Spirit to do it, to do what you're saying. Help me to be like Jesus. Help me to be like Jesus. And so I just pray, Holy Spirit, now that you would come, even as we sing this final song, Holy Spirit, that you would come, that you would come. Lord, we don't want to sing. We want to worship. We want to surrender. We just want to be with you. We just want to be with you. Lord, because when we're with you, we find love and healing and hope and strength and comfort. And that washes over us and it becomes a part of us. And that's good for us and it's, it's good for the world. Lord Jesus.